BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey. And please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders and at Graham Bailey. I've mentioned your name a couple of times, Graham, already. How are you, going? How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks, Scott. Still busy. A couple of transfer windows still open. We're looking ahead to January, looking at next summer, even 2025, which we'll be discussing in a minute. But the NFL started this weekend. My Cleveland Browns showed Cincinnati who the kings of Ohio are. So I'm a very happy bunny at the start of this week. Nice for you with the international break. Obviously, that the NFL returns, the Rugby World Cup started, international football qualifications, a little bit of a damp squib, in it, as well? It is, but we always get these nuggets. There's always some some player talking about the future and transfers. This this one, not so much, but I think as we get the players who are more disgruntled, the next tra- the next international window, we'll have those players talking about what's happening and, and, and a few other bits. We've had a little bit, but not so much. Um, so, yeah, there's bits and pieces around us. Players failing drug tests and stuff, big name players in the Saudi. So, in there, football just never stops giving, which is why we love it. Paul Pogba isn't actually on our agenda today, but, uh, you know... Perhaps no trans, well, no transfer happening there. But we'll, um, what we will talk about, we might talk again. We, we, we weren't talking 2025, Scott, but it might very well be Mr. Pogba. <laughs> he might have to Possibly. wait until 2025. Uh, we will talk 2025 at the top of the show around Barcelona and some transfer plans for them. We'll talk Man City wanting a Chelsea young youth player. We'll talk chaos at Man United, especially around Jaden Sancho. J- uh, Graham mentioned disgruntled for a second there. I think it's probably appropriate to say, given his public statement last week, that Jaden Sandro might be a little bit disgruntled. We'll talk Frank Lampard, potential new job. We'll talk who Germany might replace Hansi Flick with after Japan beat them 4-1 the other day and Flick lost his job. We'll talk Kylian Mbappe. We'll talk Spurs winning the race for a talented youngster. And we'll talk some new deals for two Premier League stars towards the end. Nightman.com. For all the latest, nightimin.com forward slash talking transfers. For all the latest transfer news, it does still go on. It does still go on, even though the window is closed. And at nightimin underscore football on the socials. Now, I mentioned at the top, Graham, Barcelona are planning on something by 2025. Who's the player in question? It is the one and only Erling Haaland, Scott. Um, it's our understanding from sources close to Barcelona and in and around the deal, that they are trying to manoeuvre themselves to be contenders for a signature. Now, it, 
I know I've already we already tweeted this out and we've had come back from I've had come back from a lot of city fans saying our oh, club we can't afford it. We are talking about 2025 and we're talking about 25 for a number of reasons. Obviously, he's not going this summer, it's already gone. Next summer he won't be going because well we can't say 100 percent he's not going, Scott, because you know we've got all sorts of money going around the world. There is no release clause in 2024. There was but when Pep Guardiola signed his new contract early, earlier in the year, that took that clause out. However, there are still clauses remaining in this contract. Um, it was a deal done by Rafael Pimenta. She made sure that there was an ability for Erling Haaland to remove himself from City if and when he so wished. Obviously, this isn't a free transfer. We're talking about €175 million Euros in 2025, we believe. So if someone wants to get him, they can. Um Man City, for their part, Scott, and they have been they've been trying to do this probably um, for over a year now. Virtually ever since he signed, they've been trying to get rid of these clauses. That's why you're seeing City wanting Haaland to get a new contract. Yeah, they might want to reward him for being the Golden Boot winner, the Golden Shoe winner in Europe, but they know these clauses exist. They're, they are there. You know, we can see the quotes and Pimentas. You know, they are there for a reason. They are not going anywhere. The thing with Haaland is, yeah, he seems happy. He, he has said before, Scott, even before his City move, that Spain was something he wanted. And, and Real Madrid have always been the leading suitors. We've always regarded them as the place to be. However, I think if you sit back and think about it, I think Barcelona makes an awful lot of sense. You know, Robert Lewandowski just turned 35. So, and he's got a contract. You have to think Saudi Arabia will be on the agenda at some point for Lewandowski. Exactly. So when he say, say he's in 2025, Scott, he'll be just turned. He might be. He'll be turning 37. It's an for Barcelona. Then who better in world football? Yeah, there's going to be Osman out there still, etc. But Haaland, That's why it's actually showing Barcelona doing some good prep work, doing not acting off the cuff. This is good football work from Barcelona. They're seeing if they can get in the situation, maneuvering themselves. Now we've seen this with Real Madrid, Scott, haven't we? A lot where. They don't, Yuani Califat, as we know, he'll be working on Haaland already. There's no doubt about that. If you know, Fonteo Perez wants to play, these are, these deals take two and three years to do sometimes. They, they really do. And so I don't think it's a huge surprise to see Barcelona making moves. And everyone says, oh, they haven't got money, etc. Um, but by 2025, a lot of things can change. Uh, are they back in the Camp Nou by that point, Scott? 2025? Couldn't tell you for certain. I think they had you back in this. Sorry, it'd be Spotify Camp New by that point, which a lot of that, if they do go for Haaland, a lot of that Spotify money will go on him. I think if they wanted him at that point, and, and I'll tell you what, by, the, by 2025, Scott, 175 million euros is probably, it sounds horrible. That might not be an awful lot of money for the, one of the world's best players. <laughs> it really won't be. So this is one to keep an eye on. Haaland is not showing any agitation, he's not wanting to leave, but let's also forget, I think Pep's new contract is around about then, it's 2025 as well, isn't it? So, a lot, a lot's going to happen with Man City, but it's what, all, all, all our information is that Barcelona are, are looking ahead to the future and Haaland is very much on their list now. They're making manoeuvres, they're letting the people know that they're interested. And, and it's... Graham, there's, all, there's also, the, well, I'm sure what we'll, well, is in the running order, we'll talk about Kylian Mbappe later in the show. I think we think that Real Madrid will eventually get a hold of Kylian Mbappe. And yeah. there's the dynamic of, I'm sure La Liga would absolutely love it if they could recreate the Messi-Ronaldo face-to-face Barca versus Madrid mm. era. That's got to be playing in their thinking because that those players elevated. And 
elevated those two clubs somehow and became yeah. superhuman in themselves. And the two players that you'd really look to for being superhuman levels of, of goal scoring over the past, the next 10 years are going to be Erling Haaland and Kylian Mbappe. They're the two or two of the most high profile forwards in the world and probably plays in their thinking a bit, do you think? Definitely. And if Barca are hoping to get some help financially to get these deals over the line, La Liga are not going to really be shipping over some, themselves to stop this, you wouldn't have thought, would you? And yeah, imagine, imagine Haaland and Mbappe and having could be the two best players in the world to that point. It'll be phenomenal. And and this isn't, and as I said, Scott, this is not having to go at Man City. We're not certainly going to lose this, but he's already to the point where he can't win much, much else at City. He's only been there one season. So, you know, he's 23, he's 23 now. At that point, he'd be t- just turned 25. Everything and and if he does leave City, where's he going to go, Scott? It's well, as we know, it will either be PSG, Bayern Munich, or La Liga, or maybe maybe Juventus if they got themselves. There's only literally a handful of clubs where he can go anyway, isn't there? Totally. Uh, the Barcelona revamp or um, of the of Camp Nou not expected to complete until 2026. I've just looked it up, but. That would be a nice uh, to have Erling Haaland in the team for that t- that moment. To selling happen. those, yeah, selling those season you know? tickets. Exactly. They'll be thinking ahead, and Pedri and Gavi will be coming into their own. Then they've got a good squad there already. But yeah, um, Haaland, as you say, Scott, if Mbappe is there, Vinicius still there. How how much room is there going to be for for a central striker there? Um, they would argue Haaland should be there now. Really, do, there's also but, the thing of like, do, do we think that Haaland and Mbappe would want to be on the same team? <laughs> yeah, and Vinicius, yeah, you're completely right. Do you, like Lewandowski, if he has another two years at Barca, he's going to be bulging on Barca legend back status because he's going to score, what, two years? There's another 100 goals probably coming from the, from the Polish legend there. So, he, he, you know, and he's going to be the perfect replacement. And and I think 37 now, we know we saw Benzema going almost to that age. And so, yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense to me. But, hey, anything can happen in football till then. But if I was the Man City fans who were already messaging me saying, oh, they didn't have enough money to do this and that. Barcelona will always find a way. And if you've got two years to plan something, why not? They just took, I know it was a free transfer, they just took Ilkay Gundogan. I know Bernardo Silva's renewed his deal, but I think Bernardo Silva would like to play for Barcelona one day. And uh, it wasn't the fact that, couldn't, and, and with what I would point to that for City fans as well, it wasn't that Barcelona couldn't afford Silva, it was the fact that Man City couldn't afford to lose him. That's why they kept him. Indeed. So, talking about City outgoings, what about incomings? Ian Matson, Graham, tell me about this because there's been some interest from City in the Chelsea player. Yeah, Ian Matson is is a curious one. We saw on deadline day a near forty million pound move. Um, he rejected to Burnley, um, the club he starred for last season. The really interesting thing with Matson Scott, as we mentioned, I think on the show before, he's out of contract next summer in twenty twenty four. Chelsea have really let this come up about them. He's, for me, he's an outstanding talent. I, I, as a championship watcher myself, I've seen a lot of him. You know, he's he's he was at um, Coventry the year before. Burnley, he's an outstanding prospect. And it sounds silly, but you can almost see him why City would be interested because he's probably he'd probably find it easier to get in the City team than he would Chelsea. You know, as soon as you're going, they haven't got that out and out left back. So you can see why City are keeping very close tabs on this situation. And 
as we know, Chelsea, um, they really don't want to lose him. He's 21, so they, what would he be, 22 next summer? There's, they'll be due with some small compensation, but nowhere near. They're not going to get 40 million in compensation. We've already seen that. That literally is his market value. Burnley were willing to pay that. So, yeah, let's keep an eye on Ian Matson. This could be one for January, Scott, I think. Um, Chelsea, as they've seen, if you don't sign a deal, they're going to sell you. Like the Mason Mounts of this world, they've already seen that. We might get the same with Conor Gallagher if he do, if he doesn't sign a new deal. But this one, yeah, what's the likelihood um, of him signing a new deal? Wait, what's the hold? He's turned it down. He, he, he's he's already turned down a few deals. Is our understanding? Um, he wanted to see where he was in the Pochettino. He has featured fairly regularly, but but on the same on the same hand, Scott, they, they accepted a bid from Burnley Firm. So what does that tell the player? It's all very well Pochettino saying, no, you're part of my plans. Well, why did the club accept a bid for me on deadline day? And they'll say, oh, because you didn't sign a contract. Well, it's a, it's, it's chalk and cheese, isn't it? It's like, well, you either want me to stay or you don't. So I I don't. I think they've got, they've got two or three months now to persuade him to stay. If he doesn't sign a new contract by January, I think he's gone. And yeah. if he does go, it's going to be a big club. It's not going to be Burnley. Yeah, I think it's... Um minutes in the Chelsea first team that's going to make a difference here if they're going to keep hold of him by the looks of it. We'll see how many minutes he does end up getting. As Graham mentions, he has had some minutes already, but Chelsea have, you know, they have a lot of players, a lot of, a lot of young players in this position where they will want minutes. And if they don't get them, you know, what happens then? Do they Are they going to potentially lose some of these players that they've just brought in? They brought in a hell of a lot of them as well. All of them really seem to be of this age of 20, 21, 22. And uh, could be a bit difficult for Chelsea to manage over the course of the next few years if they fall on an established 11. Anyway, let's discuss Manchester United because there are... It never stops, Graham. Never, ever, ever stops. They cannot escape chaos. They cannot escape controversy and... We're, talk- we're going to talk about Jaden Sancho here, but that's not the only thing that's happening, obviously. But in Sancho's case, um, I've seen pictures of him actually in the US over the last week. Mm. So he's been out there. All the while, United have been allowing his public... Can we call it fallout with Eretz and Hag? What's, what's the appropriate yeah. word here? Fallout. Yeah, it's a falling out, isn't it? A public falling out. And you know, United... At first, you know, they were trying to play it down at first, and but what we've seen the last two days, Scott, and and, and the sources close to the club have pointed this out, and then I didn't realize this till yesterday, Scott, and we talked about this off pod. The fact that Sancho has left that statement pinned to the top of his ex account, I think, you know, that makes sometimes... me angry, Graham. <laughs> exactly. Can you imagine Eric Ten Hag? He, he met, as we reported on Ninety Min, he, he met with Sancho yesterday. And it's clear that the player's not backing down. We can see that publicly. He's publicly putting it on there. Um, and I heard Alan Shearer talking a little bit about this and I agreed where, you know, Ten Hag did come out and criticise the player after the um, being left out of the Arsenal squad. But as he pointed out, you know, that will have been a last resort. We, I think we spoke about this on the last pod as well, where there's no way, Scott, that Steve McLaren hasn't sat down with, Steve, with Sancho at some point having a word with him. So for Ten Hag to come out publicly like this, you know, this isn't the, this is the last, this is a straw that brought the camels back, Scott. There's been, we can't, we can only imagine what's happened beforehand within the club. And and we know things are coming out and it's getting messy. 
and it doesn't look like it's been resolved at any point. You know, that statement, if you want to go and see it on, on his ex account, it's still there, which I know is infuriating, still infuriating United now. And yeah, it, I, I thought my, my, my personal feeling was that this, this would get, um, they would come out and both say sorry to each other, sort of. <laughs> Let's put this behind us. Let's move on. I don't know. It's going to be fascinating to see. Uh, what's your next game, Scott United? Who are you Brighton. Doing? Brighton and if, then Bayern Munich. If he's not in those squads, it's going to, yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see. Um, everything points to him going in January. And that the, the, the curious thing was, Scott, wasn't it? In between, in between him being dropped against Arsenal and then his meeting with Ten Hag, United had, ten, well, they had agreed to sell him. To Saudi Arabia, this was a permanent deal as well, which shocked shocked us both at the time, Scott, didn't it? That there were wasn't just a loan and stuff. United were agreeing to sell him to Al Etifak, and I think if if a Saudi deadline would be a few days longer, I think there's a fair chance Sancho wouldn't be a Manchester United player now. So, and so I think that probably told Sancho everything he needed to know about the current situation. Um, I think United fans are. Well, you tell me, Scott. I, I get the feeling that United fans are fully behind Ten Hag on this one. I, don't, I, I wouldn't call. Not... I wouldn't. Wouldn't say it's a it's a universal feeling. I think some some people do understand Sancho's frustration. Obviously, there's been frustrations with the performances of Anthony, which I think we reported as well. Jaden Sancho sees those performances as well from the bench or from his house. <laughs> you know, when he's not in the squad, and is uh, feeling like, why aren't I in that team? Um, but I think. Uh, the big thing for I think the say the majority of United fans are behind Ten Hag on this because whether Ten Hag should have said what he said or not, all he said essentially was that other players train better, and that's why he's not in the squad for that, those last few days. And it was I think I agree with you. I think it's a that was a last resort. Obviously, we we reported last season Sancho had a long period out in Ten Hag's first six months at United when he probably could have used him as well. Um, but that was an aim to get Sancho on well, maximizing his performance. And obviously he had that time away. He came back on against Leeds. I think he scored in that game. Merit and looked really happy. But he's not found his way back into the team permanently. It's difficult to find a position for him in that team permanently as well. So something has to change. And I think what Ten Hag has done is publicly challenge. And Sancho's reaction, I think, is something that United need, and Ten Hag probably needs to get rid of if at the end of the day, I know United are a hell of a different club from what they where they were under Alex Ferguson over ten years ago, but no player would have dared doing that. I think Rio Ferdinand said on one of his podcasts uh, earlier this week that Roy Keane telling the story about Roy Keane on MUTV uh, digging the players out. So Alex Ferguson got wind that that had been recorded, stopped it going out, and told Roy Keane he was gone within hours. It was a case of hours. And I think yeah. that discipline was what under and that control that Ferguson had underpinned the success United had. Because nobody was, challenged him. And if they did, he was gone. It was constant, Scott, as well. Jap Stam suffered that as well, didn't he? Yeah. And I think that's the key now where Ten Hag, the way he's dealing with Sancho, the way he's dealt with Greenwood, although it was more of a club thing. Um, the way we've seen him now dealing with Anthony as well, he's got to be consistent here. And and he is so I think I think he's I think he's doing the right thing. Um I think actually although this is a mess for United, I think they've done the right thing with Anthony. Um in terms of 
Um, he's in Brazil. He's not going to play until he's got this domestic um, these allegations of abuse sorted out. So that's fine. He's in Brazil. But what I like as well is the fact that United are insisting, and they are telling us this, Scott, that the Anthony situation will have no bearing whatsoever on Sancho. So whatever happens to Anthony, this will have no bearing on Sancho. And I think that's the correct decision on that. Yeah, I've been on uh, other podcasts explaining that, yes, I know United are probably losing two first-choice players on that right side, but there's still a lot of options in there. I know they've been linked with, or they've been offered players over the last couple of days, Graham, to potentially come in and plug that gap. But yeah, um, don't think that'll be happening by the looks of it, but no resolution yet on Jadon Sancho. I say yet, because maybe. Maybe. And maybe, and I think I think the free agent one's interesting. You know where they have been offered, obviously Anwar Ghazi, Usama Idrisi, which I think is a, I think he's the interesting one, Scott. Pair for me, Al Ghazi, I don't really think is good enough, but Idrisi was actually very good for Feyenoord last year. A lot of contacts I'm speaking to, um, and he's a player who Eric Ten Hag has signed before. He signed on loan in Crucial. January twenty. January twenty. No, well, I, I think it is Scott. If if that's a player on a free transfer who Ten Hag's worked with before, likes him, could come in for six months, I think that is important, Scott. And if he's up to speed, this is a guy who um, we know both players in talks with Saudi and Turkey. They've got interest, but yeah, Usama Drisi played a big part for fire. He, he played a very good part for fire. Not last, he was very good in helping them win the title. Keep an eye on Drisi. I, I think I think it's a possible option for them. We'll see what United do. What about outgoings, Graham? Donny Van der Beek is still there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll be doing a, doing a, another story in Van der Beek. Eric um, Bailly has left, though. Finally, finally, he has left officially. But Donny, will he leave soon? United are hoping so. Um, there is there is interest from Turkey and Qatar um, in him. Their windows are still open. I'm being told that there's a chance that Van der Beek is not included in the Premier League squad, and that has been communicated to him. Um, which I think is um, it's I not. I don't believe he's made the Champions League squad either. I don't think he's no, made. he's not in Champions League squad. But I, but I think it's a bigger deal if he doesn't make the Premier One, obviously, because that literally does mean he will be sat in the stand watching the games, um, doesn't it? So I think that's a real genuine threat. I don't think Ten Hag is the sort of person. It's not coming from Ten Hag. I, I, I don't. It's a threat. I think they just tell him, say, look, Donny, there's a chance that you're not going to be in the Premier League squad here. Let's move on. <sighs> Obviously, he was frustrated at the Real Sociedad move not coming off, which, you know, both sides blaming each other for that one. And the only problem is, you know, it, it, obviously moving to Turkey or Qatar, Scott, isn't isn't everyone's cup of tea, really. And so, um, we'll, we'll see. Ideally, you know, ideally to give him a free transfer, but as we've seen with United, they're not really in the mood for doing that with these players. And he's on a lot of money, so... It's a tough one. We'll keep an eye on Van der Beek. We'll be, you'll be able to read the story we're doing on him about him. He's got this option of going to Qatar or Turkey, but it's an interesting one. Might very well go until what, 15th and 18th, those two deadlines. It's yeah. going to go to the wire. Yes, indeed. Let's talk managers because we had the sacking of Hansi Flick earlier this week. But let's do Leon's manager search first of all. They've approached, they approached Graham Potter as well. And got rejected. Am I right in saying? Yeah, John Texter, the owner of um, Leon, um, part owner of Crystal Palace, obviously, part owner of Botafogo Rio, I think the Brazilian, soon to be Brazilian champions, I believe. Um, he met with Graham Potter in London. This was before he sacked Lauren Blanc on Sunday Monday. 
And yeah, Graham Potter, thank you, but no thanks. I think he's waiting for a Premier League job. But it's our understanding, Scott, that he quite likes Frank Lampard. He's on his list. Not so bad. I could see Frank in, in France. I think it'd be a decent fit, to be fair. But Gennaro Gattuso has been linked. There's, there's loads who want the Leon job. Leon is still a fantastic job. A lot of people want it, but Frank's on the list. Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff indeed. We've, I don't know whether you caught it the other day, but there was a, I think the, the ultras were <laughs> essentially addressing their players on the pitch. So it's a difficult, uh, difficult atmosphere to go in because things obviously aren't going well at the moment for Leon. But uh, things aren't going well for Germany either because the fall off there, incredible. And obviously during this international break, they have been beaten 4-1 by Japan. Japan are a good football team, but you don't expect Germany to be falling to a 4-1 defeat to Japan, regardless of whether it's a friendly, whatever competition it is, their form has been awful. And Hansi Flick has suffered and lost his job as a result. It's been on the been on the way for a while though that one, Graham, hasn't it? It has. Was it is it is it the first sacking or something? Did I see someone making that I fact think up? So, or something? Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um it's a fascinating one because yeah, I got a message on Saturday actually. I think a message on Saturday saying they're going to sack him, and 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 the one that we're looking at, or the one they really hope for, is Jurgen Klopp. Let's not forget the European Championships are in Germany next summer. So, I think if 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 Klopp showed any willingness to do it, there is, they would allow him to finish the season at Liverpool, and because he doesn't, really, you know, he already knows Germany like the back of his hand. He doesn't really need to be there every day to assess that. So. I don't think that they would get him, but I think there might be a route for it. You know, if if you offered it to him part time until the summer, and then he can take it, and then if he wants to stay, stay. If not, I, I if I was Germany, I would say I would be saying to Jurgen Klopp, yeah, so part time until the summer, and then you have four weeks in back home in Germany doing it full time, winners the Euros or do whatever, and if you want to stay, stay. If not, go back to Liverpool, and then we find someone else. To then take us to the World Cup, I think, and I think I'm told they would offer a similar deal to Thomas Tuchel as well, the buying boss. And, and they're the two highest-profile managers. We know Julian Nagelsmann there, but he, he's quite young, and apparently, buying would actually demand a lot of money. I think he's under contract still there, yeah, and the DFB, see, yeah. they, they were a bit. Um, so the, the DFB managed to get Flick quite cheaply. Buying weren't happy with them. And now they're in the driving seat. So I think Nagels might actually be more expensive than Tuchel and Klopp, strangely enough. Um, I see Ragnick's rejected, played him, not, not that he was ever in for it, but lots of people playing it down. But I do wonder, you know, the, the Tuchel and Klopp route, Scott, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think it's there's plenty of good coaches at the DFB. These managers can pick the teams. And, you know, I imagine a Bayern and, Bayern and Liverpool. But their training grounds over the international period is quite a quiet place. There's <laughs> not many, I bet there's not many first team players there. And and so I think it's an interesting one. You know, Klopp could, you know, do Alex Ferguson where he took Scotland in, in different circumstances, obviously, but he went to Mexico. Everyone forgets that Sir Alex was a Scotland manager in Mexico 86. You know, it, it could be a perfect solution. And, and hey, you could offer the same deal as a Pep or something, couldn't you, if you wanted to go down the foreign route? I've always said this to you, Scott. I, that was my solution for England, wasn't it? I always wanted them to do a part-time contract for the for the big managers. But I think it's an interesting one. Let's keep an eye on what Germany think. 
do they want a permanent manager in place for the home Euros? Possibly, but I think if you offered them the chance of Tuchel or Klopp to be their manager for that opening game for the Euros, I think they'd be tempted. I do. I think I think they're going to look at all the avenues, address the situation, see who wants it. But yeah, it's want to keep an eye on. It's fascinating. It always seemed to me like the way that Jurgen Klopp has talked about that job has been. Seems to, and maybe I'm wrong here, but it seems to be an ambition of his at some point in his mm. in his career. Maybe this is too early for him, but you know, if by if by if Germany go and decide to go with a manager for the next four years and it goes well, and then you that turns into eight years and this kind of thing, then mm. will Klopp ever get the chance? Really, uh, exactly. So... And I think so. I think I think if Jurgen Klopp said to the DFB, "I'll do it this summer. I'm staying at Liverpool. I'll do it part time until then." Then I'll do it full time for four weeks in the summer because for these international players, like the German players, I say for England and Brazil and stuff, you know, Jurgen Klopp is there to, in, he's a perfect international manager. He's there to inspire. He's not there to coach them, Scott. He's not there to improve their technique. You know, you get players, he's got some of the world's best players there. He's not there to improve Musiala's technique, is he? He's there to inspire them, to get the tactics across. I think it'd be inspired, but I think it'd be hard for Klopp to turn down. If Germany offered him that part time and then full time next summer for a month, and then see what you think after. I think it'd be very hard for him to turn that down. Talking of next summer, let's talk Kylian Mbappe. He's always going to be on the agenda, really. This move to Real Madrid has been on the agenda for a long time. With the latest developments, Graham, do we think that he's moved a step closer to that becoming a reality? Yeah, he's back in He's back in the fold now, obviously. Um, Nasser Al-Khalifi's... Um, Back, backtracked and saying how great he is, etc. He loves him. Um, there is talk about a new contract. Um, we understand that isn't the case. Um, even with release clause, he's not going to do that. But he has indicated he's willing to give them his bonuses back or not receive them. There were 80 million euros, apparently. So, sorry. Just I could just tell there that Graham was uh, needing... His voice was going a little bit. But yeah, so in. sorry about that. Yeah, he's so, back anyway. Yeah, Mbappe, basically, he's willing to let them have his £80 million loyalty bonus, which I'm told by accountants is actually worth £100 million to PSG. So, no, as it stands, he's going to go on that free transfer next, next in next summer. Um, you know, by giving him that loyalty bonus back, they're not really losing that much, are they? So, it's an interesting situation. Al-Khalifi will still try. He'll still talk to him, but no, he's going to go next summer, and we're still going to see plenty of links, Scott. We're seeing Liverpool linked to him again. We'll see City linked. We'll see Barcelona linked. But do we any of us believe he'll go anywhere other than Real Madrid? It's hard to imagine him anywhere else, isn't it, Scott? Really? I don't. I, I, I have to say, this has been far too long coming for this not to happen. Kylian Mbappe, Real Madrid. It just seems like it's going to happen at some point, and has to happen at some point. Anyway. Let's move on to Tottenham potentially winning the race or winning the race for a talented young player. How much can you tell us about Luka Vuskovic, Graham? I can tell you he's Croatian. He's 16 years old. He's a centre-half, Scott. And we did a story in March, I think. I haven't listened to the show back. I think we did cover it on the podcast at the time. In March, when Man City and Paris Saint-Germain both made offers for him. Um, we're talking 12 to 15 million euros. For this player, why do you guys one of the best young defenders in 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 the world? 
Um, they're getting very good at centre-halves in the mid Croatia, aren't they? They've already got Gavadiol. Um, and if Buscovic progresses as to think, wow, they could have a sensational centre-half pairing. Dreams there. of emulating Dejan Lovren. Yes, sure. exactly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, to- apparently, it's our information the player has agreed to, to make the move to Tottenham. He basically had his pick of the club, Scott. Wherever he wanted to go, be it Barcelona, Bayern, any of the top English clubs, but he wants to go to Tottenham. The Ange effect in full effect, Scott. After um, after a few weeks, Ange, Ange Ball is uh, having its impact on some of the most talented young players in well, the world. He's, he's, winning me, he's winning me over, Scott. I saw them at Burnley and they were absolutely amazing. Um, going be a good forward. test in a couple of weeks' time, though, Graham. They go to the Emirates, I believe. And yeah. uh, we will see. I wasn't one over to be honest. Poro, Poro and Van der Veen looked a little bit. Van der Veen, to be fair, looked at a player who's just come to Premier League and was getting up to speed. I think there's not a problem with him. Poro didn't look too good at right back, but um, James Madison's got a wow, and, and Brendan Johnson's coming. But yeah, um, so yeah, but Spurs have got this boy, um, 16 year old. Um, he'll come in. Actually, Phillips have just brought him from Blackburn, one of the best young English centre halves as well. So Spurs. They're doing things, they're starting to do things right off the pitch. They really are. After a while, I'm sure Spurs fans will be very happy that they're finally getting things right off the pitch after five years of getting it wrong off the pitch or however long it has been. And a couple of final notes from today's episode. New contracts. This is as well as clubs are looking to sign new players. This is probably the right time to go about progressing in talks over extended contracts for some key players and one player from Newcastle and one player from Brighton could be on the verge of extending. Yeah, Cairo Matoma. Um, this one's been ongoing for a few months now, Scott, but Brighton are very confident that their Japanese superstar will be staying. You know, he his contract in comparison, if we class him as one of the best wingers in the Premier League at the moment, Scott, I don't think there's any doubt in that, his current stature. He's a long way behind some of his rivals in that regard. So they're going to reward him. His current deal's up in 2025. But yeah, we're back. I've said by the end, in the report we did, I said by the end of this year, but Brighton are hoping within weeks that will be done. Um, that one's coming along just nicely, according to them. And I think the the one, as you say, Scott, they want these deals, some of these contracts, they want them doing by January to make sure it's not a conversation that you're having about teams coming in. The other interesting one is Bruno Guimaraes. Um One of your favourite players in the world. Yeah. He, is, he is, he is, Scott, he is. Um, and well, the main, Newcastle's best signing, one of the main reasons they're in the Champions League, in my opinion. I think I think it's got in Premier League history, there's been few players who hit the ground running so well as he did when he came in from Leon. I think he helped transform that team. And and you know, he didn't need any time to settle. Um, I really do think that highly of him. They've been talking to him since last summer about a new deal, and it was progressing, progressing. Then we heard reports coming out of the club, coming from the players' end, it, it stalled over something. We didn't know what. Um, I've heard a few things, but I won't bring them up. But there was a few, there was a bit of an impasse there. Um, we saw Real Madrid inquire in January. It's my information that Chelsea and Manchester City both asked about in this summer. Obviously, short shrift. But Newcastle know they need to reward Bruno. He came in, yeah, he's, don't get me wrong, he's not on pennies. But I, they, they think he is one of the best midfielders in the Premier League. Like, they agree with me. I do as well. But he needs to be recognised as that. He's currently not even the highest paid player at the club, I don't believe. So they're moving on with that. Newcastle are hopeful this will be done 
again within weeks. Definitely by January. I think if they allowed him to get to January, Scott, without signing this deal, you know, he's 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 got a deal to twenty twenty six. That isn't an issue. But this has been going the. That would mean the deal talks have been going on for well over twelve months, and you can't allow that. It's clearly something. There's an issue there. They think they've got over this impasse, what there was, but yeah, they can't. I don't think they can afford this to get to January. But I think they're confident about putting this to bed by then. Well, Newcastle have a Champions League campaign starting next week, I believe, which is a, a massive deal for them. Bruno will be back in the Champions League, and. Uh, they have a very, very tough group, but exactly what I think Newcastle fans probably would have wanted. Uh, yeah, a word a, on that, really, Graham, actually. It's a, yeah, it's quality, stunning, isn't it? it? Tenoli, Tenoli going back to Milan, Dortmund. Um, He's you know at Dortmund, think, you know. Yeah. I, th- I think it's a great... It sounds stupid. It's, I think it's a great group for Eddie Howe because, you know, the pre- the pressure is on Eddie Howe in the Premier League. Let's not beat around the bush here, Scott. If, if Eddie Howe doesn't finish in top four or improving what he did last season he's going to be under pressure you know as you can see from this amazon documentary a lot of people are loving it and i, I quite enjoyed it but uh, what you can see from the saudis and that scott is that they're not here just for the love of newcastle no matter what they might say they're here to make newcastle the best team in england and finishing fourth and fifth if they do do that, isn't it good enough? So, yeah, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. But for Eddie Howe, in terms of the European picture, Scott, I think it's, it's a no-pressure group. The, none of, I don't think many of us are expecting to qualify from that, are we? Maybe the second place... I don't place know. I mean, like, well, you think Maybe, of... Yeah. How it's, many it's, clubs in that group would you trust to get a result at home? Like, against yeah, the others. Like, to me, like I look at Newcastle and I look at what St. James's Park can do and it's like... You know, on a Champions League like that, can you can just swallow you it's, up? It's, PSG, it's a, you know, PSG yeah. going away. It's, it's such it's a, it's such a nice change to see a group of, a good group of four in the Champions League because normally there's not many other good groups there, is there really? Um, that we're seeing, which is why the Champions League is changing to one big league, which I'm not looking forward to particularly. Um, I think it looks messy and it is messy, and but then again, to latter stages, it'll probably improve the competition. But this is a great group of four. We haven't seen a group this good for a long time, Scott. And um yeah, I think Newcastle look, Newcastle could win the group, but they could finish fourth. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of those groups. And you could say that for all of them really, maybe apart from PSG. But yeah, yeah, that's that's generally how it could be. Really good cracking Champions League draw. We're often in the in the Champions League group stages, I think if, maybe this is a reason why they're st- actually changing the format is to keep interest high in the group stages to make big teams play each other. And I think this group is a uh, yeah. I think it good. avoids the yeah. I think it avoids the yeah. You get the lesser teams through, which is good fun. But I think in that big league format, you'll only see them. You won't see them going home the way and getting battered off certain teams. It's, it's spreading around. So I can see why it is for that point. But um, no, this is a cracking. There's not many. I don't often want to watch the Champions League at, at this stage. But I think Newcastle's group might inspire me to do so this year. That's back next week. That's it from us today. I've been Scott, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, as ever on Talking Transfers. Please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on social media at double underscore Scott Saunders and at Graham Bailey, 90min.com for all of the latest and 90min.com forward slash Talking Transfers for the latest transfer news, 90min underscore football on the socials. From Graham and from myself, thanks very much for listening, everyone. We'll see you soon for another Talking Transfers. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins. 
and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.